Hi and welcome to the Girl Next Door podcast. I'm your host Renee Bennett and this is a leadership podcast for ordinary girls compelled to lead an extraordinary life. Make sure you come and find me on social media, girlnextdoor.podcast. Hi guys. Oh my gosh, did you guys like the last podcast I did on the six wardrobe hacks for dressing? Thanks for all your feedback. I even got a message from um, from a guy who's doing a creative night coming up and he's making everyone listen to it. So there you go. Hey, um, I'm really uh, super, super excited to introduce my guest to you today. So this is going to be a two-part series all around um, anxiety, mental health and leadership. So I know that you're absolutely going to love it and I'm going to come at it from two different angles. So uh, today what we're going to talk about is, or I'm calling it, am I stressed or do I have anxiety? So how do I know the difference? Am I stressed or do I have anxiety? So I guess I want to perhaps, can I say bust a few myths about anxiety? Um, But then in the next podcast, I really want you to listen up because my guest has got an amazing story and I know you're going to love it. So welcome to my guest, Amy. Hi, thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure. So Amy is actually from City Hope Church in Ipswich. Yes. There's some good people have come out of Ipswich, Amy. Yeah, got a few of us. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Famous, some famous people. Mm-hmm. Darlene Check. Yes, exactly. Yes, Sonia Kruger. Love Do you know Sonia. who that is? Yeah, love see? Sonia. <laughs> see, good people come out of Ipswich. Um, so the reason that I've asked Amy to come is because of her story. And she's actually from the Youth Alive Academy. In fact, that is where we are right now. Yes, indeed. <laughs> we are at the Youth Alive Academy. So Amy's been a student with us for the past 12 months and is now staying for more to do second year. Yes. And we actually had an incredible conversation last year that sparked my mind to want to do this podcast, which we will share with everyone very soon. But I just want Amy to introduce herself and tell her, tell you, not tell her, tell you a little bit about her. She is a leader in her church. Amy, you are a leader in very many areas, so it's probably better for you to explain than me. So I am at City Hope Church in Ipswich. Uh, We have two campuses at the moment, so I'm kind of in between that serving, but I am on youth team. Uh, First and foremost is my kind of my favorite but everyone seems to have youth as their favorite place to serve. I love I'm it. still there after it's, 20 years. <laughs> it's the best. Why wouldn't it be your favorite? Um, I'm also on creatives, uh, production team, and in marketing and comms at church. Oh, there you go. A little bit yeah. of everything. Pretty much, yeah. So, Amy, can you tell us, I know we're going to go a little bit more into your story on the next podcast, but can you tell us a little bit about your story when it comes to uh, mental health and all of that side of things. Yeah, so um, having been diagnosed with anxiety, depression, and uh, bipolar at different points in my life, wow. um, coming from different points in my life as well, kind of starting with being kind of anxious as a child, um, really bad separation anxiety and those kinds of things, then leading into um, when other kind of things happened in my life, which I will go into later, um, specifically like the splitting up with my parents and that kind of issue then leading into um, anxiety disorders and depression and then eventually leading into a diagnosis of bipolar disorder. Right. 
I actually didn't realise that part, that your parents had split yeah. up. So same story as me. Yes. And this is why I wanted to talk to Amy today is because I was quite anxious as a child and my parents also split up. You were anxious as a child. Your parents mm. split up. You have been diagnosed with, at some stage, all three, anxiety, depression, and bipolar, and I, on the other hand, haven't. Yes. And so I really wanted to have that conversation, um, and I loved some of what happened at Academy in our discussion last year around this, where it's like, okay, what what's the difference? How do we know the difference? If I was anxious, you were anxious, we've been through the same things. Mm-hmm. How do we know the difference between someone who perhaps does have anxiety mm-hmm. as a disorder as opposed to I'm just a little bit stressed? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So today I wanted to look at more of um, the perhaps the overuse of the word anxiety and depression mm-hmm. and the overuse of the word mental health um, and really kind of nut out how do we know the difference. Yeah. So I had a girl last year that actually inboxed me and she said to me, can you pray for me because um, my mental health's not good right now and I'm in a really dark place. And when I saw that, I knew that girl's story. She had actually just been through a trauma the year before like a pretty full-on trauma. And so I thought it was interesting that she immediately assumed that she was struggling with mental health as opposed to, hey, you've just gone through a trauma and so you're actually having a normal response to a life event. Mm -hmm. And so when I replied to her, I said, hey, you've got to remember that what you're going through is actually normal. And so I think we're very quick now to talk about, oh, I've got anxiety or I've got a mental health disorder when perhaps it's actually a normal response to a life event. So our conversation at Academy last year, which is the first that I really realised what you had been through, we were talking about anxiety and depression in young people and are we overusing the word? And you were quite passionate about this. Can you remember? (laughs) Talk to us about that. It was yesterday. I... I am very passionate about this because, I mean, growing up having all these different feelings and then leading into diagnosis and everything, um, especially like being bipolar and stuff, you hear people all the time going, oh, wow, I'm so bipolar. Mm. Actually, no, you're not. Mm. Um, You just changed your mind on a topic really quickly. (laughs) That doesn't mean, like, as someone who going up through high school was dealing with... um, am I bipolar? Like, is this something that could be a possibility? Then having, I remember being in class once and someone just said it flippantly to me, like, oh, you're so bipolar. And I was like, oh my goodness, do they, do they know? Like, is this something that is evident to other people? Am I like, am I actually like acting like I'm bipolar? Is this a big issue now? Like it made me so incredibly anxious. And then just kind of like went from there getting more and more anxious just about that one phrase Um, and especially with anxiety and having so I'm a youth leader and I have young girls um, in my crew and so many young girls now especially it's just kind of like oh I I must have anxiety because Mm -hmm. I'm a little bit anxious and stuff when realistically it's just a natural human response we're created with emotions like God is so intelligent and designing us. We have these emotions and we have these feelings and some of us just feel them more deeply than others. And that's okay because we're all unique. So it's a very fine line between, oh, am I too anxious? 
is this becoming more of an issue that I need to look at? Yes. And I remember something that probably had triggered you in our conversation in the academy last year, and everyone actually agreed how flippantly we say, I'm so depressed. I'm so anxious. And I know like my daughter, Georgia, who finished high school two years ago, she would come home and tell me how many girls in her class had anxiety. And I said to her, but do they? Mm. And she was like, oh. And I think it's that whole when you hear about something so much in the media and you hear about something and it's kind of really trending that we take that on and assume, oh, because I'm a bit anxious right now or because I'm feeling nervous about something or because I'm feeling sad, we automatically go, oh, well, I must have anxiety or I'm, I must have depression and that overuse of the word. And that's what I wanted to focus on more in this podcast as opposed to the next one, which will focus more on people who truly do mm-hmm. have um, mental health yes. diagnoses. Um, hence why I brought Amy in because she's been in both sides mm-hmm. of, of the spectrum, I guess. Um, so I wanted to talk about how we often are using these words and it becomes a part of our identity. Like, you know, I am anxious. Mm-hmm. I am depressed. What do you think about that when we talk that way? You are more than okay to have thoughts of, oh, I'm a bit nervous about this or, wow, I'm feeling really down today. Um, that's normal. It's completely normal, but it's the issues of then it's debilitating. I can't leave my room. I can't right. physically like go and do this I'm feeling sick and all that kind of stuff that might be an issue. But if like, if you're walking around saying, oh, I'm so depressed yeah. when you've had like something really horrible has happened, like, mm. of course you're going to feel really upset and really down like that's normal but when we uh, speak it over ourselves all the time like I am anxious oh I must have anxiety I have anxiety I have anxiety you are perpetuating this idea Mm. that you have anxiety and that you struggle with that and there's it's kind of just like a cycle and you can't really get out of that some people just do feel things a lot more deeply than others like my personality type I just I feel a lot of emotions. I feel them really deeply. That's just kind of who I am. But some people don't. It's all really dependent on who you are because we are all individuals. Yeah. And I think a big takeaway that I want people to remember, and and perhaps you're, you know, uh, a girl listening today that you're struggling right now and thinking, well, I I am very sensitive or I do get really down sometimes. Um, I think we need to remember Uh, that we need to redefine how we think about anxiety and depression. Mm, For sure. I think that's a big takeaway. I think we automatically assume too quickly that we're anxious or depressed. And, you know, that's, I guess, where my story comes into it. I think we're almost um, pathologizing, that's a big word, pathologizing or giving a diagnosis to actually normal human reactions and and I feel like that there are people out there listening to this right now that you're going to feel so relieved by the end of this podcast because maybe for the first time you're going to consider oh do you know what I actually don't have anxiety I'm just going through an anxious time or I don't have depression I'm just going through a bit of a hard difficult time because I'm having a normal response to a life event 
And so I think that idea of redefining, it's like, for example, here's a bit of a story. I think, you know, when you want to buy a car and you're looking at a particular model and a particular brand, and then all of a sudden you see it everywhere you go. Or when Cameron first liked me, we did our Valentine's Day podcast a while ago. When Cameron first liked me, I drove a navy blue Hyundai. And I remember him saying to our pastors, oh, I'm seeing navy blue Hyundais everywhere I go. It's a sign. I'm like, babe, well, not babe, because they weren't going out the time. Dude, that's not a sign. It's just because that's on your mind. And I think what's happening is we've got the media and we've got everyone tiptoeing around mental health for a good reason, by the way, for a good reason. Um, and bear with me, for, make sure you listen to podcasts too as well. But I think we've got so much of a saturation about it in the media that we're automatically taking that on and assuming it and seeing it everywhere we go, like the blue Hyundai. Does that make sense to yes, you? Yes, definitely makes sense. I mean, we can't even go to the bathrooms without seeing little signs yes. on the back of the doors. Like, if you think that this word spelt wrong is bad and it makes you anxious, you might have anxiety. But yeah. I just don't like words spelt incorrectly. Does that <laughs> yeah. mean that straight away I have anxiety? Yeah. I am, and I, I am like you, I'm actually a highly sensitive personality. So it's actually a thing. Did you know that? Yes. HSP? I remember Googling that. Don't Google everything. I probably just told you some advice that we should all not take. I remember Googling HSP and I'm, I remember going home. This is like last year and I said to Cameron, I think I've got HSP. I'm highly sensitive. Like I don't like loud noises. If yeah. there's a loud noise near me, like I want to turn around and punch that person. I don't, obviously. <laughs> but I, I, I don't like loud noises. Um, I, I'm very, I can walk into a room and pick up very, very quickly how everyone's feeling in that room. My, my heart will gravitate to the person I know is feeling left out. Um, and does that make me a person with an anxiety disorder? Like, no. So I just wanted to share my story a little bit of when, when I was younger. And I'm, I'm actually really glad that I'm not a child going through what I went through now. Because I think if I went through the same thing now in this, you know, 2020, I reckon I'd be diagnosed with anxiety. For sure. Right? And For then sure. I would take that on as this diagnosis that I would then define the rest of my life with. Mm-hmm. So my, I was a very sensitive child. I still am sensitive. I'm a perfectionist and I don't like change. So I like predictable routines. I'm like that now still. Like it takes me a while when I go on holiday to get used to my environment because I'm like, I'm not at home, like, you know. So when my, when my parents split up when I was three and all of a sudden from the age of five, I'm being put on an aeroplane by myself with my seven-year-old sister to go and visit my dad interstate to then go and stay for four or five weeks at a time in a house that's not familiar to me. I was a very, very anxious kid. And what I did is I withdrew. And I remember my mum was so worried about me that she made me see this counsellor and I hated it. I did not want to speak to this counsellor. I just like, he was like this 40 year old kind of like middle-aged man. I was like, no. And I remember just not, I just, I clamped up. I didn't talk to him. Now, I reckon if my mum took me to a psychologist now, they would have diagnosed me with anxiety. But I'm so glad that they did it because I did not have anxiety. It was a normal response to my personality who didn't like change, mm-hmm. who didn't like um, 
an unpredictable life and here I am thrown into the middle of an unpredictable life, being thrown between parent to parent, being put on aeroplanes, made to you know stay on, on my own or with my little sister and that caused me to feel anxious. Um, so fast track a few years later when I'm grown up and I moved here to Queensland after a couple of years of being, you no, know, probably after a year of being here, I had no, didn't know anyone, you know, no support, whatever. I had a panic attack in Aldi. And again, I remember, I, I at first thought I had a virus. I was like, I've got a virus, I think I'm not well. And then it happened again, and I'm like, what? I can't be having panic attack. Like, I am a together person. I am strong, you know. And I remember just going, praying about it and going, God, I don't even know what doctor to go to. And I randomly went and made an appointment at this doctor's office. And honestly, it was such a God thing. I'm so glad I did. I ended up with a Christian doctor who said to me, Renee, you have no idea how many pastors end up in my office exactly the way that you are here today. And I remember saying to her, but I'm so together. And she goes, but that's the whole thing. She goes, particularly people with high achieving personalities with, um, you know, a great sense of perfectionist. She goes, that's why you've ended up in my office today. But you know what she said to me? And I, and it, it changed my life, honestly. I'm, it, it redefined me. I was so glad. She goes, you do not have a mental health disorder. You do not have anxiety. You're just going through an anxious time and it's completely normal right now. I didn't go on any medication. Um, and she goes, you know what? You don't even need to go talk to anyone. Like you're going to be okay. And do you know I walked away feeling so free? Because for me, I was like, I didn't need a diagnosis and medication. For me, it was a normal reaction for my personality that doesn't like being out of control. Now, it took me a while to get out of that, and we can talk about that on the next podcast. But your story is same, same, but different. You also were an anxious child who went through the same thing. How was that different for you? Yeah, so unlike how your parents separated when you were quite young, mine separated I think it was 2015, uh, very start of 2015. So I was 15 years old um, when this happened. So kind of going up through my life, my dad is incredible, but he, um, through my childhood, wasn't super present because he worked a lot. Um, and I do appreciate that because he gave me so many incredible things because of like um, our financial position. And I'm really thankful for that, but it meant that I didn't get much time with him. So I got very close with my mum and my mum who um, does struggle with anxiety issues and stuff. Um, Going, bouncing off of that with her, not great all the time. Um, So leading up through my childhood, I would get really bad separation anxiety whenever mum and dad went overseas, which they did quite frequently, but it meant that the week leading up to it, I was super anxious and upset And then for like a week after they left, I would just be crying and so upset because my mum wasn't there. Um, And then that led into school and all the way right through, which just kind of compounded on Mm. different things that were happening. So you've got like bullying and all that kind of stuff. How old were you at this age, at this stage? It was from a very young age that I was starting to kind of already show like anxious tendencies that weren't just like normal anxious tendencies. Okay. Can you so can you explain mm-hmm. that? Like how were your anxious tendencies yeah. say different to mine? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
So I am, anyone who knows me knows that I am obsessed with the Enneagram and just talking about it and researching it and everything. So I am a type four, which is highly creative, but also highly, highly sensitive. Um, and then not knowing that kind of stuff when I was a child, um, being brought up to be very creative and to really just hone in on that kind of stuff. Um, it kind of gave me a little bit of an outlet. So it was me being anxious, but then kind of dealing with it a little bit. And then me being anxious and then dealing with it a little bit. How did you deal with it? So mainly through just being like, I did art classes and then right. I would distract myself by writing in a journal and right. stuff like that. So it's different kind of coping mechanisms that are already like inbuilt into who I am from a child. Yeah. Did your mum realise that you were feeling anxious? Like my mum obviously, she probably didn't realise I was anxious, but she definitely knew from me being withdrawn that mm. something was not right. Yeah. So I was super extroverted from like when I was really little, like kindergarten, grade one, um, grade two. So a lot of bullying issues kind of started like coming up and then I became really withdrawn. And that's kind of when mum was like, oh, Maybe something's a little bit up here. I might just keep an eye on it, right. but not kind of interfere because you're still a child. So just because you're a little bit anxious about something, that yes. doesn't necessarily mean that you have anxiety. Right. And mum recognised that. So that's good. Your mum, yep. even though your mum had struggled with it, because mm -hmm. by the way, so did my mum. Yes. My mum had a couple of nervous breakdowns after mm. my dad left. And um, and as a kid, I didn't know that. I knew something was wrong and yes. I knew that emotionally she wasn't, you know, but she was very good at not being quick to say, oh, you're, mm -hmm. you're the same. So your mum was like, this, yeah. she didn't kind of put that diagnosis on yeah. you. So when did it change? So it kind of, I would say that the major change happened in like early primary first and foremost, mm -hmm. purely because of different issues that were happening in school and everything, becoming very withdrawn, very shy. And then that leading into then middle school and high school and stuff. And then obviously with like the breakdown of my parents' marriage, mm. that kind of just like ramped it up well and truly. Yeah. Yeah. And so did you, would you say that your behaviors became debilitating? Like I would say that I spent a lot of my childhood feeling very worried mm. and feeling very anxious. And it kind of doesn't surprise me that it came out again mm. later in life. Yeah. But in what way, because I think the, the definition of, ang of anxiety and depression is when it becomes really debilitating yes. to your everyday life. Now, mm -hmm. again, obviously my panic attacks that mm -hmm. I had two of them were debilitating at the moment. Um, but I think because I didn't have the diagnosis, I felt quite free to go, I'm going to be okay. And it didn't define my life or debilitate mm -hmm. me. How did it debilitate you? So I dealt with a lot of health problems. I'm still dealing with a lot of health problems, but all through my life I've been dealing with a lot of issues with my body um, and then already being quite isolated and feeling really isolated because of that, then having these anxious thoughts and then being withdrawn from school for quite a lot of the time for doctor's appointments and all that kind of stuff, it meant that I didn't have a great support network at school. Right. So being anxious kind of just took over everything. What did that look like? So I would be in my bed at home in the mornings, mum would come and wake me up for school and I'd go, no, I can't, I cannot physically get out of my room right. because I feel so nauseous just even thinking about it. If I get up, I will probably vomit. 
like yeah, right. debilitating kind of anxiety. Not I feel anxious, but I can probably push through it. Like I physically right. cannot do this. Right. And what, know what the else? pushing will get there. <laughs> right. Okay. What else did it look like? Give me another yeah. example. Because it just ha- yeah. I think it helps people who are listening yes. to go, okay, so perhaps maybe I'm more like Renee mm-hmm. and I can maybe redefine what this is and I'm going to be okay. By the way, it's still a great idea to talk to someone. Mm, yes. Like my per- – you've got to have a person. For my, sure. my person was Cameron because mm. I didn't want to tell anyone else. Yeah. You know, but you've got to have a person. But what what else did it look like for you? Give me, yeah. give us some examples. So I would say in high school, what it looked like more was, um, I would be at school and you've got a speech for English, and not many people like doing speeches for English because it means you have to get up in front of the class and speak, <laughs> right. and that makes everyone a little bit nervous. But with anxiety and um, dealing with that, what it kind of looked like was for weeks beforehand stressing so badly that I would be physically sick because I didn't want to stand up in front of the class because what if they looked at me a certain way? What if they thought I looked stupid? What if I said something wrong? What if I, what if my speech kind of goes downhill really quickly? What if my lisp comes through? Like, that was it was just a constant thing in my mind it wasn't like, like a was week thinking, leading up yeah like it it, it, mm. it overtook your, yeah. your I thinking. wouldn't think about anything else yeah. I would think about oh my goodness I have to do an English speech next Friday and I can't think of anything else I can't even look at my speech without wanting to be sick right and then having a major panic attack in the bathroom before having to do my speech right. and ending up in the nurse's office unable to even do the speech Okay, so you can see a difference in, yeah. in my behaviour to your behaviour. So, for example, when I was five, six, seven, I did get on the plane. I still felt sick in my gut mm. every time I did, yeah. and I felt so unsafe, I guess. Not not because, I mean, oh, my gosh, my, my dad was amazing, my yeah. mum was amazing, but I just always felt unsafe. That yeah. That's kind of, if I could describe my childhood, I always felt like I wasn't fully safe because I just wanted to be in one home with what, but... But I could push through. But I can definitely see that I had traits of anxiety, yes. but I have never been diagnosed mm. with it. I think I've gone through seasons of feeling mm. anxious, whereas opposed as opposed to you, where it was very debilitating. Yeah. yeah. So mostly it would come through when you're just feeling really sick, yes. overwhelming thoughts, ending up in the nurse's office. Mm-hmm. And that obviously, um, at what point for you did that lead to, um, okay, we need to take her somewhere? Yeah. She, You know, there's obviously a diagnosis mm. here. Yeah. Being obviously like very anxious with separation anxiety and stuff all through my childhood, um, when my parents did split, I didn't talk to my mum for quite a while. Uh, dad moved out like pretty much straight away, but I refused to talk to mum. I I can't even remember my thought process at this point in time because I've just kind of blanked it out because it sucked so much. Um, But it was kind of like, oh, Amy's not talking to me, but she doesn't have friends at school that she's talking to about this either. Okay. But she's not going and talking to the chaplain at school either. So what is going on here? So you were completely isolating yourself. Do you know right there, I think this is the difference. I think there are people that use, oh, I'm so anxious, mm. as a, attention-seeking. Yes. Um, and I think that's what I heard a lot of probably around some of the people at George's, mm. like in George's class. There was a lot of um, getting attention from it 
And I think that's really a fine line to walk because then there are people who really truly are going through a terrible time um, and perhaps they still do try and get, you know, they, they are verbal about it. But then there are people like you who were completely withdrawn and didn't yeah. talk to anyone. And thank goodness you had a mum that looked out for you. But mm. I guess my concern is what if you feel like you've got no one to go to? Yeah. And that can be really difficult because mm. often when you do feel like this, you don't really want to talk to anyone. Yes. I know I didn't want to talk to anyone for a very long time, even when um, I did eventually go to my GP and they kind of looked at, they had these diagnostic tests to quickly just go through to be like, okay, maybe we should put her on a mental health plan, get her to a psychologist, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. But it got to that point and I was like, oh, maybe I should talk to someone. I don't really want to, but I'll at least go along to the psychologist sessions and stuff. Yeah. But I don't necessarily want to talk about it. Yeah. But can I just say that talking about it is the best thing that ever happened? Yeah. Because it brought up so much stuff that I didn't even have – I didn't have the thought that it might be an issue and that might be the reason why I am feeling this way or um, things that happened when I was a child that have so deeply rooted itself in my personality and my identity that were completely mm. just, like, blocking me from moving forwards. So, So – you having a diagnosis was freeing and me not being given, yes. uh, given a diagnosis yes. was freeing. And that's why I wanted you to come in and have this conversation because um, we are both different sides of, this, of the same coin, yeah. I guess. And I think what's happening in society is a lot of people are flipping over to that, oh, well, I must have a diagnosis. And I, I guess the point of today is I want people to consider my side of the coin. Yes, and, sure. and then um, I'm loving hearing because hearing your side of the coin helps to expose my side of the coin, which is that perhaps there isn't a diagnosis, perhaps you're just feeling stressed mm -hmm. as opposed to where you're coming from. So I can hear everyone coming out of class. <laughs> <laughs> if you guys can hear some noise, it's everyone else coming out of class at the academy. So I think everyone's gone now, thank goodness. <laughs> that was loud. Uh, so I guess the one big takeaway from today's podcast would be that I think it's really good for us to consider that we're having a normal response to a life event and to not feel pressure to pathologize mm -hmm. or overdiagnose what perhaps is just a normal emotional response. Yeah. Would you yeah. agree would with that? I completely agree. Completely agree. And I mean, if you are having issues, like you can go and seek help but consider first, like, maybe I am just, like, having a bit of an off week. Like, mm. just because you're having one off week, that doesn't mean that you're having an off month or mm. you're having an off year. You just need to kind of think about it a little bit and pray about it. I mean, God's there for a reason. He does want yeah. to chat all the time. So yeah. take it to God, take it to him in prayer, and just kind of consider maybe what should my next step be if I do need to make a next step. Yeah, yeah. And I, I love, to the verse in John... Uh, John chapter 16 verse 33 that says in this world you will have trouble like we are going to go through things you know but the next part says but take heart I have overcome the world mm -hmm. and I think what happens is you know we we have trouble and we freak out and we go oh my goodness this is too hard or oh my gosh I'm so you know anxious right now or I'm so stressed and it's like you know what 
we are going to have trouble. Mm. And I think that's something we will definitely talk about yes, next week definitely. in next week's podcast is, well, if we are going to have trouble and we are going to go through these times, what can we do to build yeah. our resilience? Because seriously, like my grandparents both went through World War II. Mm. My grandmother and grandfather on my dad's side, they helped hide a Jewish lady in their house and saved her life. And my grandparents never had, well, not to my knowledge, but they certainly didn't mm. act like it. And I was pretty close to them. They didn't have any mental health yeah. issues. And I go, how come they could go through that and not have any mental health issues? And yet we've got like, really our lives are pretty amazing in comparison mm. and yet our emotional resilience seems to be at an all-time low and um, I really want everyone to come back for next time because Amy's going to talk about and I really can't wait for you to hear this that yes she's got a mental health diagnosis and yes she's an incredibly effective leader mm. and how can we be someone that can put two and two together so anyway Amy, I'm going to end on this. I kind of teased everyone last time by talking and ending on, um, oh, lip fillers and Botox, and I didn't give anyone my opinion, and I'm still not going to right now, but I want to hear your opinion. What do you think about lip fillers and Botox? I think that aging gracefully is beautiful. Amen, amen, amen. And I am not a big fan of the sausage lips, but <laughs> if you want to do that, Go forth, do that, be you. I will not be having lip fillers myself, <laughs> but go for it if that's your thing. Totally, because here we are sitting here. I've got a nose ring, you've got a nose ring, you've got Helix, you've got uh, two piercings in your... Oh, and another one. So hello, like we're piercing. Um, I guess we can't really say no to the lip fillers, no. but I do have more to say on that. Yeah. So I'm just going to keep everyone hanging again. Mm. Anyway, Amy, you are amazing. Um, do you know what? Could you just pray for us? Because yeah, I know that there would be people listening right now that would be, some would be going, I really relate to Amy mm. and other people perhaps are feeling really relieved right now. And oh yeah, I'm relating to Renee. Could you maybe pray for us? Yes, yeah, for sure. Thank you. Heavenly Father, uh, we just praise you for who you are and we thank you for the incredible things that you have given us and the incredible bodies that you've given us, God. Um, we thank you for the minds that you have given us and that we uh, have so many things that we can do with them. But we just pray that if anyone is feeling like they are too anxious, if they are too down, if they are having mood swings and stuff that need to be looked at, that you will give them the courage and the confidence to seek help. And we just thank you for those who are feeling really relieved after listening to this podcast today, God, that you will just reassure them that these are just seasons, God, and that you are in fact greater than it all. And we just thank you for that. In your name, amen. Amen. Awesome. We love you guys and we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. Make sure you come and find me on social media, girlnextdoor.podcast.